So many of you know, TCU hired Andy Avalos. What does he bring to the table? He's a Boise State guy through and through. And I have another Boise State guy who's going to come on, Bronco Blameyer. He's next. He's going to tell us more about Andy Avalos. What went wrong towards the end of his head coaching tenure? And is that a concern for TCU fans? We'll talk about all that and more next. And Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. We are uh, here with Bronco Blaymeyer. You can find us, the show, wherever podcasts are free and available. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel or uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you might want to subscribe and listen to podcasts. Bronco's got a pretty good YouTube channel of his own. He's got over 1,000 subscribers. If you'd like to subscribe to that, he covers Boise State. He also covers the Mountain West. But as you can see in that room there, he's got some pretty big ties to the Boise State Broncos. So we're going to talk about Andy Avalos today, but I wanted to start, Bronco, with uh, many of you might notice front and center there. We got a, a Boise State Fiesta Bowl, like commemorative. Is that a DVD or is that yep. like a okay DVD? Um, yeah, that, that's a sore memory for TCU fans. But, I mean, the Frogs and the Broncos, they had some battles back in the day in the Mountain West, also in some BCS Bowl games. I, I'm assuming, is that is that your favorite memory associated with TCU? Do you have another one? that stands out uh, when those two schools used to link up back in the day. Yeah, that's definitely the favorite one. You're right. For such a long time, even when those two teams weren't playing, they were kind of what Boise State and UCF became later on. You know, they were the two teams from those non-Power 5 linked or BCS, whatever you wanted to call them, linked conferences at the time. Those are called smaller conferences with the WAC and the Mountain West. And they were always pseudo-competing against each other even when they weren't playing. And then they had a couple of all-out brawls in some uh, bowl games. They had the Liberty Bowl that Boise won. And then you had the... Um, uh, not shoot the uh, uh, Poinsettia Bowl in 2009 that TCU was able to win. Then 2010, Boise State was able to get some revenge in the Fiesta Bowl, and then obviously became conference allies for uh, one season there. For TCU headed out to the Big 12. So I'll tell you, when it comes to teams that Boise State fans absolutely despise, TCU they they're a rival up there. They're right up there on that list, especially Gary Patterson. Some of his comments when that final game was played definitely left a sour taste in fans mouth. I would say I would never have thought I'd have been on a TCU fan podcast, but I'm excited to be here today to talk about Andy Avalos coming to uh, TCU. And I love talking any time I get a chance to talk Big 12. I love doing that because of the Power Five conferences. I'm not going to say Big 12 is the best. SEC is the best. But they're definitely the one, the conference that I'm most interested in, in the Power Five, Power Four. What you guys have done to expand the teams that you've brought in. Such an exciting narrative, and I can't wait to see what happens this next year with the completely new look uh, with the Pac-12 teams coming in as well. Yeah, they've they've expanded into that West Coast area, which is intriguing. I, I didn't know if that would be possible a few years back, but it's happened. Uh, and yes, Gary Patterson known to burn some bridges, so not surprising that he rubbed some people the wrong way with some of those comments. Uh, it, you know, after that big win on the blue turf uh, about a decade ago or so, I guess. But getting to Andy Avalos, so, I mean, for people that don't know, like, he is, I mean, he's a Boise State guy through and through. Like, he played there, he coached there as a D.C., eventually got the head coaching job. I know it didn't end particularly well, and we'll get to that later in the show. But I guess, I mean, his journey from player to D.C. to coach, 
I imagine there was a lot of excitement when he finally got that head coaching job. What what kind of was his background and just his his legacy from being a linebacker there to eventually leading the team as the head coach? Well, you're absolutely right. Andy Avalos is a true blue Boise State, true blue-blooded guy. Um, and it really sucks for us that he keeps going to be an assistant at these teams that, that you know, that we're rivals with or that we, we have this friction. You know, he was at Oregon before he came to Boise, and now he's going to TCU. So and we'll touch that at the end of the video. But I'm really hoping that TCU has the best defense in the country next year and doesn't score a single point on offense. That's why I'm, I'm rooting for. <laughs> but um, as far as Andy Avalos and his legacy at Boise State, he's – you know, Kellen Moore obviously is this the elite stature. There's no one that ever is going to compare to what Kellen Moore was for Boise State fans. But Andy Avalos is kind of defensive equivalent to a certain extent. You know, he was one of the career leaders in tackles here. He's still top five all time for Boise State. He was one of those utility, hard-hitting, foundational linebackers. And when he came to Boise State um, from Oregon, where he was the defensive coordinator, the boosters were pushing for him. They wanted him to come here. So it was the boosters, it was the fan base, it was the alumni, the, the uh, athletic alumni that really pulled for Andy Avalos to come over to Boise State. So when you talk about his legacy, when you're talking about a guy that had 355 career tackles here at Boise State, he led the team three years in a row. Um, he, uh, his teammates, when I when he was hired, I brought some of his teammates on to talk about what his hiring meant, and they all, all had great things to say. Ryan Dinwiddie, who's uh, just won the, the uh, CFL Coach of the Year uh, up in the Canadian Football League, head coach for Argonauts, he said he always knew that Andy would be a head coach, true leader on the team, strong presence in the locker room. Dryson James, who caught the hook in the hook and ladder um, in the Fiesta Bowl, not the TCU won the other one versus Oklahoma. Um, he said he had unstoppable competitive spirit. And then Derek Schumann always said he was a quiet professional who led by example. So Andy Avalos took his way to get to head coach at Boise State. But it was kind of one of those things that, that was kind of in destiny to happen eventually. He was a GA, and then he uh, was a linebacker coach for Boise State. He coached Demarcus Lawrence the two years that he was there. And then he uh, was the linebacker's coach, and he coached Leighton Van Der Esch, recruited and coached Leighton Van Der Esch while he was at Boise State. And then he was the defensive coordinator for three years, um, again, improving and then getting Leighton Vendrish to the NFL and then at Oregon and then to Boise. So his legacy at Boise before, I mean, he was on a trajectory like this. I mean, he was one of the best players defensively to come here. Uh, I mean, undersized, but played with so much heart, loved by the fan base, works his way up. Oregon, D.C., comes to Boise and then that's where things didn't end up working out. We can talk about that later on. But as far as his legacy and coming to Boise State, initially there were really strong feelings, good feelings about him coming here for sure. If you had to describe his defense, and I mean, you can take it from a scheme perspective or just an attitude kind of personality perspective, what would you say the identity is? I mean, I know he kind of runs a multiple front uh, scheme and that type of thing, but what are some identifying factors of an Andy Avalos defense when it's been sort of at its peak? Uh, I think the best three words that summarize it is kings of chaos. Um, and so boy, Andy Avalos' defenses are very turnover-focused. And when he was a defensive coordinator here, the Boise State defense called themselves the kings of chaos because they turned what was just 10 turnovers the year before when he was his first-year head coach to 25 turnovers the next season and 18 turnovers the following year. So his defenses are very focused on bend but don't break 
and force turnovers after the big play. And so with Andy Avalos defenses, you have to have those stars, those superstars on the team that can step up and make the big play. And that's something we saw this year when, you know, J.L. Skinner and Tyreek Jones, and we lost so many other guys in the secondary, Tyreek LaBeouf and all those guys graduated and left, and we were left with all these inexperienced players. His defensive mentality of that bend but don't break shoot for the turnovers didn't work out so well. But that is really the focus of Andy Avalos. He's going to be great against the run. He's going to be a great run-stopping deep guy. The um, After his first season at Boise State, things settled down as a defensive coordinator for them. In 2017-2018, he held defense uh, opposing offenses to under 123 yards rushing per game. Now, he's very, his, his defenses do tend to be vulnerable versus the pass. Um, he had over 200 yards passing every year as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach here. But He's very focused on forcing those turnovers. And if you can get the right playmakers, it's a very effective defense. I like that great insight here from Bronco. We're going to continue talking to him in a moment. We're going to discuss Andy's philosophy. You know, is he aggressive? You mentioned bend up, but don't break. We'll get more insight on that here in a minute here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. I do want to briefly tell you about FanDuel Week 17 of the NFL season. It's about to get started. Get started tomorrow on Saturday. And if you haven't heard about this deal yet, listen up. New customers, they get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Now, I was never good at math, but that's pretty good value there. $5 in exchange for $150 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. If you're a new customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets simply by putting a $5 bet down. They also have an app that's super easy to use, and you can do same-game parlays. Uh, you can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub and anything else, money line, traditional just betting to spread, whatever you're interested in. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to, today to take advantage of that deal. And then you can also download the FanDuel app. FanDuel official betting partner of the NFL and a proud sponsor here of the Lockdown Network. I bring Bronco back into the picture here. So uh, I, I, won't, I won't bore you too much with the semantics, but one thing – that TCU fans were really frustrated with with their former defensive coordinator, Joe Gillespie, was he was very conservative. You know, it was a lot of three-man fronts, uh, was really not interested in bringing blitzes, bringing extra rushers, and in theory that was supposed to stop big plays, but that didn't really happen. So when you think about Andy Avalos, would you categorize him as an aggressive play caller? I mean, what, what does it look like when it comes to how much he's going to bring extra pressure um, is it about getting the guys up front, you know, those four or five up front to get home, or does he like to bring a lot of different players? You mentioned chaos earlier. What what kind of philosophy does he have when it comes to blitzing, aggressiveness, those types of characteristics? Well, I don't have great news on that front, considering <laughs> yeah. what you just said about your former. That sound that does sound a lot like what we've seen at least this year. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with player personnel. When you look at the 2016 to 2018 season, they had some absolute monsters on that defensive line. Uh, they had some absolute and some great linebackers too. So that front seven was really stacked, and they were able to be a little bit more creative and getting home with just four or five uh, or sorry, three or four versus having to bring the, the focus pressure. So for Andy Avalos this season, we've definitely seen a lot of those three-man blitzes, a lot of the coverage. He definitely is a coverage-focused defensive coordinator. Um, he's going to focus on confusing you with the, with the scheme and maybe giving up a couple big plays, like I said, but eventually he's going to force you to that mistake. Now, now, having said that, 
he is a situational blitzer. So it's hard to categorize Andy Avalos as just one thing or the other because he'll bait you, bait you, bait you with the coverage, and then he'll hit you on like a full drive with just blitzes. So he's very situational with it. I think he's he's very, very detail-oriented, and he adapts his scheme to the players that he has on the field. What I'd say overall with Andy Avalos you're going to see is probably more towards that three, four-man blitz uh, from the front seven. And then on third downs and in the red zone, when things tighten up, that's when he's going to bring the house. So that's why, you know, when you look at the points that teams scored against Boise State while he was a defensive coordinator here, uh, 2016 to 2018, they never scored more than 24 points a game. Even though during that time, all except for one season, they were averaging an 85 to 90 percent red zone uh, scoring percentage for field goals and touchdowns, they were scoring 24 points or less every game. Because once he got inside the red zone, he would become a lot more aggressive. So initially, he's going to try and beat you with the scheme that he has, with the players that he has. But once you get inside of those, those make-or-break situations, once the field tightens up, his defense is very good at stopping the run already. And once you shorten the field that you have to play with and the secondary is not pressured as much, that's when he's going to bring more of a blitz. You talked about some of the players earlier that have come through his system, whether it be his time as a positional coach or – when he moved up the ranks a little bit, I mean, I'm I'm a Cowboys fan, so I know Demarcus Lawrence well. He's had an outstanding career. Uh, Leighton Vanderesh, I hate that he's dealt with so many injuries. I think he's a good NFL linebacker, but he's just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Is there a, a certain position group that you would say he specializes in? I mean, as a DC, has it been kind of a mix? What would you, uh, what would be your answer if they were like, what is kind of Andy's specialty from a a position category standpoint? If there is one, linebacker and defensive line. Uh, he has been, even as a head coach, uh, players and media personalities that were visiting the team during their practices were noting that even as the head coach, he was still getting down and running the position groups. He was still getting down with the linebackers, you know, and, and running through, uh, you know, through, through their plays and then go, coaching them one-on-one because -on -one, that's his position. Every time he's been a defensive coordinator, he's continued to coach the linebackers. So when he was the defense coordinator at Boise State, he was the overall linebacker coach and the defensive coordinator at Oregon. He was the inside linebacker coach and the defensive coordinator. And as a head coach here, he definitely continued to take an interest in developing the defensive line and the linebackers. I would say one position group that he struggles with and I think he leans more on his staff for is going to be the secondary. Uh, I think if there's one weak spot that for Boise State when it comes to play calling or player development, it's going to be that secondary position. Uh, that's what we've seen consistently. But when it comes to the front seven, he is very, very detail-oriented. He's very, very fundamentals-focused. And players, uh, Derek Schumann said that he was a great teacher and a great um, communicator about those details and intricacy-oriented things. And when you get down to the defensive line and the and the front seven, a lot, so much of that is just simply the detail-oriented phase, and he's great at that. So let's get to what, what happened towards the end of his tenure as a head coach. Because uh, Bronco's got a great, a great YouTube channel, and I was checking out some of his work. I was getting ready for this interview, and you did like a live reaction show right after uh, Andy got fired, and you mentioned that you were pretty surprised, and not necessarily that he was getting let go, but just the timing of it. Uh, so we, we've heard the murmurs about like culture issues, and I mean the team bounced back in a big way once he was let go. They they end up winning the Mountain West. Um, so. What was sort of the breakdown that happened towards the end of his tenure? And, I mean, was it basically the players kind of 
making it known they weren't going to play for him anymore. Is, is that how it sort of played out? That that's a big part of the gist. Yeah, that that's a big part of the overall. I mean, I was calling for him to be fired since the Memphis game, um, just because of how he was interfering with the offense and his 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 gameplay decision making. He Andy Avalos is the, all the things that are great about him when it comes to being a defensive coordinator, when it comes to being a player, detail oriented, hands on, silent leader, aggressive. All of those things are great when you're a player on the field or when you're a defensive coordinator or position coach and you're focused on one aspect of the team and you're focused on that. When you step up and take over the head coaching role, those positives don't necessarily translate. Some of them even become negative, especially the hands-on, detailed, oriented side of his personality. And so players associated, former players associated with the team um, were saying that he had almost a, and, and again, maybe there's some, some, feelings being expressed and they would rather phrase this later but you know they put it out on twitter so i'm going to say it they, they said he had he was almost a dictator in the locker room from the very beginning it was definitely him coming in and saying i have a way that things are going to work it's going to be my way or the highway and we're going to run this until it works um and so i think that was the biggest issue of it early on first year he you know okay we get some nice close wins some close losses seven and fives first year whatever the second year Things turned around. Dirk Cutter comes in to replace Tim Plow in the season. You know, Boise State goes and plays Mountain West Championship. But year three, when the losses started to pile, I mean, when he was fired, Boise State was sitting at five and five. When the losses started to pile, the locker room issues rose to the surface. You couldn't overlook them with, okay, but we're having some success. You know, when things go bad, that's when really the root causes start to rise up. So overall, I would say, I don't want to blast Andy Avalos. He is a Boise State blue blood. He's a favorite of the fan base. He was beloved by the team, by the fan base coming in. They pushed for him to come to this team. And he still is beloved by the fan base, despite what happened under his tenure. But I think that just some people, they're just not cut out for certain jobs. You know, Andy Avalos is a great defensive coordinator. That doesn't mean he's going to be a great head coach. The head coaching role is about managerial responsibilities. You're supposed to kind of take an overall big picture. And Andy Avalos was never able to do that. He was always tinkering with the offense, and it really hurt our offense. He was always kind of getting down and maybe stepping on some toes below him in the position rooms. And all of that led to a very toxic environment. Eric McAllister, you guys picked up a wide receiver from Boise State. He transferred out and he was citing those um, those issues, those locker room issues. So Eric McAllister leaves and cites those issues. And then the, the director of player personnel actually talked to Andy Avalos. Andy Avalos came and talked to him and he said, hey, I want you to give me honest feedback what do the people? What do the players think about me right now? And he gave them, he gave them very honest feedback. And the next day, he was fired. <laughs> so Andy Avalos was, it was not a good position. He was feeling the stress, he was feeling the pressure. I think he tightened up even more, became even more, you know, retinent, even more dictatorial, if you want to use that word. And it just led to a downhill spiral. So ended up getting fired after the New Mexico win, and the team definitely reacted by going and winning the Mountain West Championships, showing that things were moving in a better direction. Well, that's a great segue for what we're going to talk about next, which is Avalos and his future as a D.C. Bronco Blaymeyer with us. It's Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. If you need tickets, you need to download the Game Time app. You can get $20 off when you download the Game Time app today and use the promo code College. And they have tickets for everything. Sporting events, I know that's mainly like this audience. That's what you're looking for. You can get CCU basketball tickets on the Game Time app. You can also get tickets to comedy shows, concerts, theater productions, Whatever it is you're interested in, one thing I love about Game Time 
They have last minute flash deals. So if you're not necessarily always on top of it, and you're like, man, there's no way I'm going to get a ticket to this event for a decent price. Check out the game time app because usually up to the day of the event, they have last minute deals where you can get a solid price for a ticket for whatever you're looking for. And they'll also show you exactly what the view is going to be from your seat. There's a picture right there that says, hey, this is what you're going to be looking at when you sit down. This is your view of the court. This is your view of the stage. Whatever it is, Game Time app can get, has you covered. Locked on College is that promo code. So download the Game Time app today. Use that promo code Locked on College. Get $20 off your first order. Appreciate Game Time for their sponsorship of the Locked on Network. So, a few more things for Bronco. And I think you kind of laid out something there that maybe TCU people or just people in general don't think about. I mean, that Boise State job, it has a lot of pressure. Like, that's a program that is used to winning 10-plus games, playing for conference titles, playing in New Year's Six Bowls, those types of things. So, do you? I mean, do you feel like Andy is just one of those guys that maybe is more suited for a defensive coordinator position? Do you think the intensity the uh, that he has with players, that you, you talked about the detail-oriented nature that he has, is just maybe a better personality fit for the job he'll be taking on at TCU rather than leading the whole ship like he did at Boise for a few years? I definitely think right now that's definitely the case. I don't want anybody ever looking at this video and going, oh, wow, we shouldn't hire Andy Avalos as our head yeah, coach. Yeah. I think that this was a situation of first-time ever head coach. You know, I, I list all the jobs. You didn't hear me say head coach at you know Arkansas State or like Brian Harson was or something like that. First-time ever head coach, and there was no continuity left on the staff. When Brian Harson left and went to Auburn, Every, he took everybody. So he, we had a brand new head coach, a brand new offensive coordinator who was coaching as an offensive coordinator for the first time at that level, FCS to FBS. Um, and then Spencer Danielson, who's now the head coach, was elevated defensive coordinator. So nobody was in the same position. There was nobody for Andy Avalos to lean on as a mentor, as a guide. So it was all on him as a first-time head coach. And like you said, the pressure at Boise State, when it comes to at least the group of five, there is no job anywhere that comes with a higher expectation, a higher level of expectation from the fan base and from the players based on their record of success and what they've been able to accomplish than Boise State. Boise State is, they're, they're, a, they're a pseudo power five in a group of five conference. They are held to those expectations. We expect to be the team that's in a fiesta bowl every year. 10 wins. Brian Harson was winning 10, 11 games every single year, and people were calling for him to be fired because we weren't appearing in the New Year Six every single season. Right. Boise State, you know, is not just it's it's undefeated and a New Year Six and now playoff. That's the expectation of Boise State. So yes, I think that it was a situation of he didn't have the confidence in himself to be able to maybe take a little bit more of a back step. He's very detail oriented. And when you're in a high stress situation, you're going to go down to your base personality. And his base personality is that detail, aggressive attack. I have a problem. I'm going to aggressively attack it. I mean, he was one of the hardest hitters at Boise state. And so he kind of brought out more of that personality that now as a defensive coordinator, he's got top coverage over the top. It's going to help him out. He's got a team around him. There's still coordinators on this team that were there beforehand that he can lean on. So he's going to come back in. He's going to get back into a teaching role versus a managing role. He's going to get into a place where he's confident in himself. He knows he can succeed because he's done it before. And he's coming into a program that is great at recruiting. And so he's going to have a lot of weapons to work with. 
So for Andy Avalos going down defense coordinator, again, I wish that it wasn't going to TCU, but defensive coordinator at TCU now is going to be an excellent step for him. He's returning to his place of comfort, and I think we're going to see him thrive with a need to succeed after what just happened at Boise State. So I, I didn't uh, I didn't give you a heads up about this beforehand, but I did want to get your thoughts briefly on Eric McAllister. And I know that was an odd situation. So I mean, don't like don't feel like you have to pull punches or do anything with this. I don't know what the fans' reaction was. It's it, what what their reaction to his decision was. Um, you know, it sounds like he's he's from Azle, which is very close to Fort Worth. I know coming home was a big deal. I think he's going to do well here. But I know it was odd because it kind of happened and coincided with Andy getting let go. Um, what was the reaction though when he left? And I, I guess just your thoughts on him as a player. He did have a really good season before he sort of shut things down in the middle of the year this year. Oh well, I absolutely understood. I mean, I had been saying that since you know since the Memphis game and with the success of games afterwards. I said if we don't get fire Andy Avalos, and again, nothing against him, but just in this situation, it's not working out. If we don't fire Andy Avalos, players, our top players, are gonna start transferring because of what's going on with the team right now. And I didn't know all the ins and outs of the locker room, but it didn't seem like things were happening the way they should. And I said this is gonna happen. So when Eric Acosta announced that he was transferring, I was not surprised. I mean. I was maybe surprised that he did it in that moment versus waiting towards the end of the season. Um, but I kind of thought that was going to start a cascade chain reaction. And I think maybe if Andy Alvarez hadn't gotten fired after the New Mexico game, which was only a couple of games after Eric McCaster left, um, that it would have. But uh, as far as fans' reaction to him, you're always going to have a couple of people in the fan base that's like, oh, you left us, you're, you're dead to us. You know, like, I don't care yeah. if you're in the program or if you're leaving early for the draft, like you're dead. Like there's a couple people like that. But I think overall, most people understood what was going on. Now, I do have to say, um, Eric McAllister specifically stated his issues with Andy Avalos as his reason for leaving. So now that Andy Avalos is coming to TCU, that's going to be an interesting. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's odd. I mean. <laughs> they're not going to have direct like they're not going to have direct contact but it was weird like when that was all going down there were people that were like well if we hire Andy does that mean we lose Eric and I was like well I don't necessarily think so because yeah. it's going to be a different situation but I mean he was like he was in the local paper there in Boise saying like yeah the reason I left was because <laughs> of this guy so it is it is strange how it all played out you guys need like some kind of like sideline drama TV show, you know, like <laughs> hard knocks kind of thing where it's, it's just Andy and McAllister. Who's going to win out? Um, no, I, I think that you you might have lost him, honestly, if uh, if Boise State had been willing to take him back because he tried to come back to Boise State after Andy Avalos was fired. Uh, Spencer Danielson was the interim head coach, and he said, hey, I'd like to come back. And um, I think there was some interest from definitely from the fan base, but also I think from the coaching staff, but the players um, council rejected him. Okay. Uh, they said, you know, you left us. We stuck together as a team despite the situation. So I, I'm, I don't have any inside information mm -hmm. on what's going on in the locker room as far as the players happen. So I'm not going to say there's any bad blood between them and McCoster, but right. they're def they definitely reject his application to come back. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see what ends up happening between Eddie Alves and McAllister. We'll close on this. I mean, Boise's an outstanding program. College football has changed so much, man, in the last few years. And you'll, you're getting more access to the playoff now, which is great. But I guess, like, what, for, for Boise, for you personally, as someone who cares about this program deeply, what do you think the best-case scenario is as realignment keeps kind of shifting and changing for Boise State? Is it joining a, you know, Power Four conferences that staying where they're at and having access, you know, access to the playoff. What 
if you if they if they made you commissioner today and one of your jobs was to put the Broncos somewhere, what would you do? I've made a couple of videos on this. So if anybody's interested in non-Boise State content, I do general college football in general. I talk about realignment whenever that becomes a talking point. I don't my channel is not dedicated to it like some other channels, but if there's something worth saying about realignment, I'll throw it out there. And uh, I think that those have been pretty entertaining videos. Um, but yeah, when it comes to realignment, I mean, I, I think a lot of Boise State fans, we always wanted to end up in the Big 12. You know, because there's so many natural rivalries for this. I, right. I went on Coos's uh, channel, Coos's Corner, um, and I did a whole discussion with him about why Boise State should go to the Big 12. But, you know, you've got BYU and UCF who just joined. Those are natural rivals. BYU is an actual rivalry for us. TCU would have been a great rivalry. Oklahoma State, those games have been pretty close the last couple of times. I mean, there would have been some really fun games. I don't right now think that that's going to happen. I, I think that after the – I mean, Rightfully so, they took the Pac-12 teams. If you're going to choose a already Power Five, you've got to take the already Power Five. Yeah. So they took Power Five, Pac-12 teams that were, you know, imploding outside of versus taking some more Mountain West schools. And I think at this point, the Big 12 is full. I, I, unless something crazy happens and we go to like four conferences for all of college footballs, you know, major Super 18 teams in each division kind of thing. I think the Boise State's out of that. What is my, you know? Best case scenario right now? Well, I think the best case scenario, and I was going to do another video on this later, um, but I'll talk a little bit about it now. Best case scenario right now for Boise State is that Washington and Oregon State use their money to buy out the top programs in the Mountain West. So the top, you know, six or so programs, and I can go in more detail what that is later in another video, but, you know, six or so programs, obviously Boise State would be part of that. So you have those eight, and then they pull over the top teams from the other conferences, you know, Sunbelt, Conference USA, America Athletic Conference, pull them over and, and compete legitimately for that Power Five slot, uh, not just the Group of Five rep slot. Now, is that going to happen? Hey, you know, Florida State looks like they're about to potentially exit the AAC now, and all chaos is going to let loose. Right, yeah. So there's a strong possibility. That's probably what I would say is my, my best-case scenario moving forward. Well, thank you so much for this insight. And one more time, let people know about the YouTube channel if they want to check it out. Boise State, Mountain West, and realignment coverage and more. Where can they find you, Bronco? I said Bronco Blamire. So just type in the name right there, Bronco Blamire. It's on YouTube. You can check me out on Twitter as well. Uh, I love being on here. Thanks so much for giving me an opportunity to talk about Andy Alvos one last time. I wanted to have an opportunity to kind of cover his career at Boise State, and this was a great opportunity to do so. I think, like I said, there were a lot of a lot of negatives that happened towards the end there, but you guys are getting an inc a incredibly hard worker. No one is going to work harder for your program from player to, uh, you know, academic administrators, no one's going to work harder for your program than Andy Avalos. He's going to come in and put his best foot forward. You guys are getting a fantastic person who is coming into what is his perfect assignment. So check me out. Bronco Blameyer, thanks so much for letting me come on. Thanks for everything that, uh, that uh, you do in covering the Big 12. I love listening to any Big 12 coverage I can. So thanks so much for that. And uh, yeah, I, thanks for having me on. Go Big Blue! There he is, Bronco Blameyer. Follow him on Twitter and uh, YouTube, and we'll be back on Monday. It's Lockdown Horn Frog is your team every day.